0: Well, good morning. Let me add my best Father's Day wishes to uh, all of you dads that are out there. I had a nice surprise this morning. My oldest daughter uh, and my son-in-law and their two uh, children, my grandchildren, two of them, two of the 11 now, um, are with me this morning. So uh, I love my boys too, but uh, something about those little girls that uh, stay your little girls. And uh, so, uh, happy Father's Day to you this morning. We, we're going to wrap up this morning a series of messages. We've been walking our way through the first 13 verses of the second chapter of the New Testament book of James. And we've been dealing with the subject uh, of racism and prejudice and discrimination. And we've we've been asking the question, how is the church of Jesus Christ today, right now, how are we going to respond and where are we going to stand on the issues of racial injustice and inequality? And the truth is, I really could spend another several weeks here. Uh, I tell you, I've just been learning a lot. Can I just say for myself I've been learning an awful lot as I have worked through these verses, and there's a lot more time we could spend here, but I'm going to try to wrap things up today and try to get back into our uh, much-delayed study of the book of Nehemiah. We'll do that, uh, Lord willing, beginning next Sunday. But uh, we're going to conclude this morning by looking at a final reason that James gives us for putting away racism, prejudice, and discrimination finally and forever from our lives as the people of God. Now, in order for me to do that, I'm not going to be able to cover everything that I've given you uh, on your outline or in your message guide this morning. Uh, I'm going to skip reason number four for putting away racism. Putting away racism and prejudice and reason number 4 tells us that racism and prejudice insults persons who are made in the image of God therefore those attitudes insult God who is the maker of every person so I'm not going to be able to deal with that this morning. Neither am I going to deal with reason number six, which says prejudice and racism invite the judgment of God upon my life, and, and it does, uh, and James is very clear about that. I've given you the verses and the message guide. I'd encourage you to go back and look at those truths because they are powerful truths, but we're going to spend our time this morning dealing with reason number five. And that is, James says, prejudice and racism invalidate obedience that I may demonstrate in other areas of my Christian life. Now, this is a tough lesson, and it's one that that I'll be honest with you this morning, I'm still trying to work through and, and get the implications of for my own life. But I think part of what James is saying here is this. I can do a lot of things right as a follower of Jesus Christ, but right actions and wrong attitudes about other people attitudes and actions of racism prejudice and discrimination if i if i get that wrong then all the right things that i may do well they really just don't matter so much that that's that's how serious i believe This word really is. So let's look at James chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. You follow along in your copy of God's word. I will read these verses. James says, if you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. But if you show, what's that next word? Favoritism, that's the word that we've looked at. It means to Uh, react to, respond to, relate to someone based upon that person's outer appearance. If you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder If you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Now, I think there are two major things that James is trying to tell us in these verses. I want to give them to you right off the bat. Then we'll go back and spend a little bit of time looking at them. Here's number one. James is telling us that actions and attitudes of racism, prejudice, and discrimination, those things are not Little sins. They're not little sins. James is very clear about this. When, when I exhibit those actions or those attitudes towards others, I am breaking one of the greatest commandments of all. So these are not little things that we're talking about here. Secondly, James is saying, and, and, and this is something that's very strong that he's telling us. He's saying here, when we do break this commandment, when I break this commandment, I've really broken all of the commandments. So these are some strong words here, and that's, that's why I've chosen to focus just on this reason this morning. So let's, let's begin here by asking the question, why is racism, prejudice, and discrimination such a big deal why should we be so focused on this well look with me again at verses 8 and 9 we read them a moment ago let me read these two verses again james said if you really keep the royal law found in scripture love your neighbor as yourself you are doing right but if you show favoritism you sin and you are convicted by the law as lawbreakers now We need to understand James, as we've seen him do before, is taking us back to the very words of Christ, this time as we find them in Mark chapter 12. So uh, I I would invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Mark chapter 12. And I want you to look with me at this text, uh, beginning with verse 28. Now what's happening here? One of the teachers of the law has come up to Jesus and he has asked him this question, Jesus, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Now that's a pretty weighty question, isn't it? I I think this guy was coming with some serious motivation and he's saying to Jesus, look, I may not get everything right, but I want to get the most important things right. So here's my question. Jesus, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And Jesus answers, look at verse 29. The most important commandment, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Now Jesus says, and I think he says pretty clearly here, that there is nothing more important than these two things. Number one, love God, and not just love God, but love him with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. With everything you have and everything you are, you're to love God. And then number two, love your neighbor. But again, not just love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as you would love yourself. Love him, love her the way you would want to be loved, the way you would want to be treated, the way you would want to be valued and esteemed as a person. This is it. These are the, according to the words of our Lord Jesus, These are the greatest commandments of all. And and really, I love this man's reply to Jesus. Once Jesus told him this, look at verses 32 and 33. The man says, well said, teacher. You're right in saying that God is only one and there is no other but him. And to love him with all your heart and with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all the burnt offerings And sacrifices. Okay, now this guy gets it. He says all the burnt offerings and sacrifices, all of the externals of worship, all of the traditions, all of this other religious stuff, they really don't mean anything if I don't love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and if I don't love my neighbor as myself, then all of these other things really don't matter very much. And look at verse 34. Verse 34 says that when Jesus saw how this man had responded, he says something to him, and this is an exceedingly rare commendation from Jesus on someone who was part of the religious establishment of that day. Jesus commended them rarely, but he turns to this man And he says, you're not far from the kingdom of God. (laughs) In other words, my friend, if you understand this, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as you love yourself, you're almost there. But, But even this guy had an issue. As close as he was, even this guy... Had an issue. Do you know what that issue was? That issue was race. That issue was prejudice. That issue was discrimination. Now, Mark doesn't show us that. But in Luke's account of this conversation, we see it very clearly. So take your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, this is where a harmony of the gospels, looking at, looking at what each of the gospel writers has to say about things, helps us a lot. After this discussion about loving God and loving our neighbors, this man asked Jesus one more question there in verse 29. Do you see it? Jesus said, love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Luke ten twenty nine. the man comes back and he says, okay, Lord... Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And to answer that question, Jesus tells one of the most beloved stories in all of Scripture. It's one every one of us knows. It's the parable of the good Samaritan. The parable of the good Samaritan. Now, you know that story, don't you? Okay, I'm going to paraphrase it for us. There was a man who one day went on a journey, and as he was on that journey, he ran into a group of thieves and thugs who beat him up, robbed him, and left him for dead on the side of the road. So there he was laying there. A preacher just happened to come walking by and he saw the man lying there and he whipped out his Bible and he began to read scripture to him and he said God loves you you need to trust God he'll take care of you and he went on his way a little later a deacon stopped by and he saw the man there and so he stood on the other side of the road and he prayed for the man Lord you see what bad shape he's in You can heal him. Take care of him, Lord. Amen. And he went on his way. A little while later, another man came by. Now this man was of another race. This man was of another cultural background. He wasn't supposed to like this man who had been beat up. In fact, their peoples were enemies. They were enemies. But he stopped. And he bound up this man's wounds. And he cared for him. And then he put him in his car and he took him to the closest hospital. And he said, take care of this man, give him medical attention, give him food, and I'll give you money to take care of him. But just in case I'm not giving you enough, here's my credit card information, and you bill the rest of this to my account. Now, here comes the clincher. Jesus turns to this man, verse 36, and he says, Which of these three do you think was neighbor to the man who fell among thieves? And I want you to notice how this man answered. If you look carefully, he couldn't even say it was the Samaritan because of his own racial bias and discrimination and prejudice. You need to understand Jews and Samaritans were bitter enemies. I don't have time this morning to go into all the history of why. But a good Jew wouldn't even walk through Samaria. The Jews referred to the Samaritans as dogs. They looked down on them as being inferior and in every way. (laughs) And Jesus was putting the Samaritan in this story in a very favorable light And you need to understand that was shocking. It was scandalous. So this man could only stammer. uh, uh, It was the one, the neighbor, the neighbor was the one who showed him mercy. Now listen to me. The point is not that my neighbor is the one who shows mercy to me. The point is, my neighbor, the one I should love, the one I should value, the one I should care for, the one I should defend and protect and esteem is not someone who is just like me. My neighbor is the black man. My neighbor is the Hispanic. My neighbor is the Asian. My neighbor is the prostitute. My neighbor is the AIDS victim. My neighbor is the unwed mother. My neighbor is the prisoner. My neighbor is the homeless person. My neighbor is the 20-year-old with spiked hair and nose rings and tattoos. My neighbor is the person who identifies as LGBTQ. My neighbor is the person who could not be more different from me. Church, that's my neighbor. You see, as Jesus always did, always, he was turning the conventional wisdom upside down. He was doing that then, and he's doing that right now. And he is proclaiming to you and to me boldly and loudly and without apology that his kingdom has the power to break down barriers and destroy enmity and kill hostility. And James says... Look back at verse 8. See, this is all that James is referring back to here when he says, if you love your neighbor as yourself. James says this, look at it carefully, this is the royal law. Do you see that? To love your neighbor as yourself is the royal law. It is the king of all laws. And that's why Jesus said, there is no law greater than this. You see, prejudice and racism and discrimination are not small sins. You you can't not say, well, preacher, that's that's just the way I am. That's that's just the way I was raised. That's just the way I feel sometimes. It's just a part of the culture. God will understand. No, he will not. This is the law of the kingdom. The royal law law this is the very essence of the kingdom the very essence of christianity this is the real stuff the nitty-gritty of what it means to be a follower of the lord jesus christ so to say you know Preacher, I I don't know why we need to spend so much time dealing with this, especially four weeks. I'm tired of it. I I think really it's just causing further division in the church. You're just dredging up all this stuff that would be better if we just didn't talk about. Listen, preacher, I've never owned a slave. (laughs) I've never used a fire hose on anybody. I've never sicked a dog on anybody. I've never donned a white hood. I've never burned a cross in anybody's yard. My conscience is clear. This doesn't apply to me. Yes, it does. It applies to every one of us just like every other part of God's Word applies to every one of us. So these are not little sins and when we commit them Jesus says we're we're breaking the royal law, the the greatest law of all. So that's the first thing here. Um, But there's still another question that this text raises. Okay so so if I break one of these greatest commandments, should, shouldn't I still get credit for keeping the lesser ones? I mean, if I keep more of the ones than the ones that I break, uh, I should still be in pretty good shape with God, right? Now, now please, we're, we're not talking about salvation here, okay? James is writing to Christians. This isn't an issue of salvation. This is an issue of what it means to live the Christian life and have the blessing and commendation of God upon your life. Look at what James has to say here in verse 9. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Do you see what James is saying here? Again, these are very strong words. Uh, James is saying again, I can do a lot of things right. I can, I, I can be great as a as a life group leader. As a, I can be a wonderful deacon, a loyal choir member, a, a good dad. All of those kinds of things. I, I I can minister in all kinds of ways. I can share the gospel faithfully. But James says, look, if my life is marked by attitudes and actions of prejudice and racism and discrimination toward other people, if I stumble here, James says, now listen, if I stumble here, I've blown the whole thing. I've blown the whole thing. If I don't keep this command, James says, I really don't keep any of them. Now, those are not my words, so don't get angry with me. Those are not my words. This is what James says. If I stumble here, I blow everything. So, where do we go from this point? Well, here's something we've often failed to understand. If you have your message guide, you can fill in the blanks. Should not be a surprise to us, but I think we do well to remember this. God's standard is a comprehensive standard. It means I can't pick and choose which part of God's word I'm going to follow and which part I'm not. It is a comprehensive standard. In other words, I can't say, okay, Lord, I agree with this, so I'll do it. But, eh, you know, I'm not real sure about that one, so I think I'll just skip it. That doesn't work. You can't do that. This word is to be obeyed, every part of it. Every part of it. This word provides the boundaries within which we live the Christian life. And I cannot step out of those boundaries anywhere and expect that God is not going to hold me accountable. Let me give you an illustration. Maybe this will help a little bit. Help me. Here's a football team. Okay? Here's a football team. They've called a perfect play. The quarterback executes perfectly. The handoff is flawless. The linemen make all of their blocks. The running back streaks down the sidelines all the way into the end zone. The crowd goes wild. Six points go up on the scoreboard. But wait a minute. A flag is thrown. A whistle blows. The ball is brought back. Six points are taken off the scoreboard because somewhere along the way, the running back stepped out of bounds. Now the quarterback cannot say, wait a minute, ref. <laughs> you can't penalize me. I handed that ball off perfectly. The ends can't say, wait a minute, that's not fair. We ran our routes flawlessly. The lineman can't say, wait, you can't take those six points off the board. We blocked perfectly and we didn't hold anybody. You see, none of that matters. None of it matters. Because the running back stepped out of bounds, the whole team is penalized, right? Everybody has to come back. Well, that's sort of what James is saying here. My friends, it doesn't matter what I do that is right. If I'm guilty here, if I continue to demonstrate actions and attitudes of racism, prejudice, and discrimination towards other people, no matter how subtle or unconscious they might be, God cannot bless me. He cannot use me. He cannot give me those victories. he, He can't let me score those victories Because he's he's having to call me back. He's having to penalize me because I keep stepping out of bounds in this one area. Does that make sense? Look at verse 11. For he who said... You shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Now, now follow this. Terrible thought, but let's just suppose you murder somebody. You're arrested. You're taken before the judge. Can you say, yeah, judge, I killed him. Sure I did, but you can't send me to jail because... I've never run around on my wife a day in my life. Does that make sense? Is the judge going to say, you know, I never thought about that? No, of course not. Doesn't work that way. Just because you've never committed adultery doesn't change the fact that you're a murderer. In fact, you can tell the judge, a thousand things you've never done. But he's not worried about the thousand things you've never done. His concern is the one thing you have done. Right? And and it's the same way with, with God. That's his concern today. Because this one sin of prejudice, racism, and discrimination will always hold me back. And it will in some way invalidate every other good thing that I try to do. I, I don't know any other particular sin that is placed in this kind of context in Scripture anywhere. So, as we wrap this up, what can I do? What can I do right now? I've, I've, I've put some suggestions in your message guide. If you don't have it handy, let me just let me read these things for us this morning as we close. Number one, I need to take some immediate action to identify and remedy any signs of racism, prejudice, and discrimination in my life. And let me tell you, you really need to ask the Holy Spirit to shine His searchlight into your heart. You need to, you need to ask Him to expose those because, again, some of them are subtle. They're, they, they kind of run under the surface. They, they don't show themselves except at certain times and maybe in certain instances. So ask the Holy Spirit to show those things to you and then to help you get rid of them. Number two, and I referred to this last week, do, do everything you can. I want to do everything I can to make this church a place where every person feels welcome. And not just welcome, but wanted. See, there's a difference. There's a difference between somebody walking in and you making them feel welcome. It's a different story for you to want people who are different from you to to be part of this fellowship. So that requires some proaction on on our part. And then thirdly, would would you join me in asking God to show you some specific ways that you can become involved? And I'm talking about directly and personally in ministering to and ministering with people who are different. From you, different from me. As we close this series of messages, I want you to know that little old Taylor's (laughs) South Carolina has its own story of prejudice, discrimination, racial injustice to address and see healing. There's a story that was brought to our staff, it's been several months ago now, prior to all that's been happening in our nation. Uh, and this was brought to our attention by a group, an organization known as Community, the Community Remembrance Project. And leaders of the Community Remembrance Project ask, have asked us to become part, as a church, become part of a discussion about how we can bring healing, racial healing to Greenville County and more specifically to Taylor's, by bringing our community together to remember some things that have happened and to make the commitment that they will never happen again. Uh, There were were four victims of racial injustice. Really, I wouldn't even hesitate to say the word racial terrorism in in this area. One of them, the one that we're specifically referring to here, uh, a man by the name of George Green was killed in 1933 by the Ku Klux Klan at his home on James Street. That property is now owned by our church. And so, we, you know, while we may not have been involved in it personally, where that act took place, where that murder took place, is now on church property. And Community Remembrance Project has asked us, if we would, to become involved with them in a, in, a, in a project of raising awareness, participating in conversations with the community, remembering the life of George Green, in order to bring healing, not just from that tragic event, because it is known in this community among people of that ethnic background, not just to bring healing from, from that terrible memory, but to point us in a direction to fulfill the reality of Scripture, that the gospel breaks down all those barriers, erases all of those divides. And of course, you and I know, don't we? We know that the only way that real healing is ever going to come, the only way as a church we can ever promote racial healing is by fundamentally proclaiming and living out the transformative power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Church, that is and it always will be our primary goal and that is the greatest gift we could give to our community. It's the greatest gift we could give to our nation. It's the greatest gift we could give to the nations. And I just want you to know that that in these coming days we're going to be we're going to be putting together a task force here that will help us more clearly uh, discover some some appropriate steps we can take as a church to be instruments of God's healing in our community, you're going to have an opportunity to be part of that. So pray for us as we try to put all of this together uh, and as we try to mobilize ourselves to be the people God has called us to be right here in our community, in our nation and among the nations, all for His glory. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank You this morning for this time. We thank You for Your Word Lord, we spent a lot of time here. We could have spent a whole lot more. But I trust and I pray, Lord, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you will continue your work in us of shaping us more and more and more daily into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, we want to be agents of transformation. We want to be vessels through which healing and and unity can come. And we know that will only happen if ultimately as lives are changed by the gospel. Nothing we can say about anything else. No amount of regret. No, no amount of lament. Um, those are good things maybe for, for us to do. But none of those things ultimately are going to change another person's heart. And the only person who can bring peace is the Prince of Peace our Lord Jesus Christ. So Lord, it is a privilege and it is a blessing to be able to lift His name up in this community. So Lord, show us in these coming days where we go from here. We don't want this to be the end of the story. Only the beginning of maybe the greatest days of gospel penetration, community transformation. That Taylor's First Baptist Church has ever seen. All for your honor, your glory, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ might be lifted up so that all men may be drawn into him is the prayer that we pray in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to join me in standing. We're just going to sing this morning, All to Jesus I Surrender. If you, if you need to come to this altar, just make a commitment to the Lord in one of these areas or something else. If I can pray with you, uh, there's staff members here. We'll, we'll be careful. We'll observe proper uh, health precautions for you this morning. But if you need to respond, we want to give you an opportunity to do that as we sing. Kevin, you lead us.